This sermon series, uh, Jesus the Teacher, has given us a chance to think about our school systems uh, that surround us here in Bullock County. Um, Last week, we particularly had our minds on the students that were headed back into the classroom and the teachers that had been preparing already a few days before their arrival and the administrators that were busy with their labors. Um, All of them have been in our prayers, but I want to suggest to you that we left out one group particularly over whom we should have a daily prayer vigil, and that is the substitute teachers. Do you know what I'm talking about here? The substitute teachers have a job unlike any other. It is tough. It is tough because every time they are in their place, the same equation is at play. When the cat's away, the mice... Yeah. <laughs> when the cats are away, the mice will play. I remember our daughters coming home with a story about one of their substitute teachers. Um, Sarah and Rachel, our twins, were in high school, and they came to us, and they said, they said, we want to take a jacket to school. We said, it's September. This is South Georgia. You need a jacket at school. They said, you don't understand. We've got a substitute teacher. Miss Renfro is her name. And she comes, she brings a heavy jacket. In the morning when she looks at us, she says, talking may heat you up, but it's going to get you cold. She used the air conditioner thermostat as a weapon against those children. (laughs) She would lower the temperature until they behaved the way that they should. She was one smart lady. It is... It, it certainly would be a teacher's delight, I suppose, to have an orderly class, but that is not the point of school. It is not the point of school just to have kids sitting in their desks quietly and in order. A teacher's delight, a teacher's delight. The ultimate student for a teacher is one who gets it, who finally gets why we're here and falls in love with the idea of the subject matter that's been presented and the whole idea of education, that this is a lifelong pursuit. It's beautiful for those of you who teach reading in the early grades and the In the elementary schools, I know that you see this happen more frequently than the rest of us do. But to watch students who start out sounding out the words one after the other. They have this individual value. And then when finally a sentence comes together. And then when a paragraph begins to make sense. And then to have a child say to you, and I bet some of you have heard this. I read a chapter book today. Have you ever heard a child say that? It's incredible to see the beauty of reading, taking birth within their lives, coming to fruition, and for them to understand what this is about. For those teachers who have that terrible job of teaching us to write essays, God bless you too. This is troublesome labor, and it is even harder to teach, I am so certain. But isn't it wonderful that occasionally God will send you an essayist to your classroom who begins to bring you things that you did not request and show you that not only that they have learned how to write, but that they have fallen in love with the idea of writing itself. What a beautiful thing. 
Some of you who were here on Wednesday night this past week had a chance to see Dr. Dan the Bug Man. Is he behind me here? Dr. Dan, raise your hand. Dr. Dan the Bug Man. He came with his great bug collection. Now, some of you may not realize that this is truly a bug man to the nth degree. Dan is a medical school professor who has most recently served in Mercer at Mercer University in Macon. But he is a microbiologist. What are you, Dan? <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of halves. Give give us a technical name for what you do. Okay, the ultra structure of microscopy. You talk with him later about this, whatever that is, whatever that is. I can tell you though, that when he came in with his, with his chest filled with all of these many bugs, not only did the children take interest, but the, I understand that the, that the choir got him to come in and to show them what was going on. And then before I left, I realized what was going on. I was hanging on every word that he was saying because he is so excited about the bugs. I have a feeling that the children that were a part of that program on Wednesday night have already over Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they've got a collection of bugs, whether their parents know it or not. <laughs> this stuff is contagious for those that will allow it to be. The ultimate student is not just attentive, the ultimate student is engaged, engaged in what the teacher is seeking to communicate. And you picked up on this, didn't you? That Jesus has this, has this desire, has this deep desire for us to be engaged in what he is about. This uh, paragraph before, the one that was read to us just a little bit ago, has to do with him sharing, don't worry, there's so many things. We know that there are so many things to worry about. You can worry about having the clothes to wear. You can have a worry about having food on your table. There are always things that can consume your mind. Don't spend your days worrying. Don't you know that God has you in his heart? I, I love the singings of a fellow named Pierce Pettis. I didn't know who Pierce Pettis was until about a month ago. And, and my brother shared with, with me some tickets, with Sue and myself, some tickets to go and hear Pierce Pettis in concert. And uh, you'll want to YouTube him some. But he, he has such a fascinating look on life, such a poet. But one of the songs he sings is God Believes in You. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, do you believe in God? But have you thought about this, that God believes in you? He is looking at us as the teacher, Jesus the teacher, looking at us and believing, believing, regardless of what you and I may think is possible, believing that we are his ultimate students. Can you believe that? God offers us that opportunity. And in fact, he goes on talking to them, these disciples that are close by. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. It's fascinating to hear this. Some of you may be thinking to yourselves, well, they chose that scripture specifically for today, didn't they? 
You know, it would be interesting and nice if I had had the forethought to do that thing. But this is where the Spirit of God is so interesting and moving in our midst. We did not know until recent weeks that the commissioning of our leadership team for this capital campaign would be this morning. Uh, The choice of this scripture was made months ago for this day. But even more fascinating, it is not just the scripture that I am preaching on today. Our dear friends over at the Roman Catholic Church are preaching on this scripture. Our dear friends at the First Presbyterian Church are preaching on this scripture. Our dear friends at the Lutheran Church are preaching on this scripture. Our dear friends at the Episcopal Church are preaching on this scripture. The Baptists are probably not preaching on this scripture today. (laughs) But a lot of us are on this new common lectionary. And I think God is laughing. I think God is, God is laughing at just the idea of what we think that we can plan and set in motion. He always, always has this wonderful blessing in store for us. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's interesting, Fred Craddock, one of my professors in seminary, he said, really, it's the reverse of what we think. We think to ourselves, if I put my heart into something, then there is where my treasure will be. In fact, we sort of encourage that kind of thinking in the church. But Jesus says the opposite. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. If you want to know how to be blessed, put your heart where your pocketbook goes, and then your heart will be overflowing with the idea. Is that not the way it happens in church? Oh, what a wonderful thing it is to think about this parable that Jesus gives to us. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert. But that's not the parable. And that's not the message this morning. The message is not for you simply to be alert. The message is this, the next part of that. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and make them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. Can you imagine this? This is just crazy. This is just like God. That he, when he gets to where the servants are, he wants to take over the servantly role so that he can take care of us. Live into that a little bit and tell me what you think. God turns things upside down. Our idea of what is right sometimes is the inverse of what right actually is. We will be surprised, I have no doubt, that through our generosity that God will bless us far beyond what we ever could imagine. Even this last part of this passage where it says, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not let his house be broken into, which is this farcical idea of a thief. 
comparing God to a thief. Have you ever heard anybody comparing God to a thief before? Barbara Brown Taylor says, this is a good thief you've got to remember. <laughs> a good thief. In fact, this thief is so good, when he breaks into your house, he wants to bring you things instead of take things away from you. This is the nature of who God is. God gives to us his kingdom. I love different translations of the scripture and paraphrases, and particularly Eugene Patterson, uh, Peterson rather, uh, wrote uh, his paraphrase of the Bible that is entitled The Message. Some of you may have a copy of that at home. Let me read you what he paraphrased in these verses. Luke 12, verses 32 to 40. What I'm trying to do here, Jesus says, is get you to relax, not to be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven far more, far from bank robbers. Safe from embezzlers. A bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Keep your shirts on. Keep the lights on. Be like house servants waiting for their master to come back from his honeymoon. Awake and ready to open the door when he arrives and knocks. Lucky the servants whom the master finds on watch. He'll put on an apron and sit them at the table and serve them a meal, sharing his wedding feast with them. It doesn't matter what time of the night he arrives, they're awake and so blessed. You know that if the house owner had known what night the burglar was coming, he wouldn't have stayed out late and left the place unlocked. So don't you be so slovenly and careless. Just when you don't expect him, the son of man will show up. We come to this table of grace to receive from the Lord. But we could do that really without thinking. Don't be slovenly in coming to the grace of this table. I want you to receive what God has to offer. His very presence is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. My father who is sitting right here with me this morning, he is visiting here. When I picked him up in Macon to bring him here, the first thing he did when he got into the car was to begin singing, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. <laughs> and I thought, really, Dad, a Toyota Camry? Surely the, <laughs> surely the presence of the Lord is in this, this place. And yet he lives with this idea. You're, Dad, you're an inspiration for me. Um, do you believe that the Lord is in this place? I, I believe that God is here. And I know that he wishes to bring his kingdom into our lives. Let us share together at his table his mercy, his grace, 
is among us.